0: Welcome to Life Planning 101. This is Matt Irvin today with Aaron Kennedy, our in-house CFA, for some black and white market chatter for this episode of Life Planning 101. We're still on the theme of inflation, this three-legged stool of inflation, and we want to get into that a little bit, and kind of a historical change in
1: momentum. Aaron, where do you want to get started today? Yeah, let's just jump right into it. Looking at our models, we talk about this a lot. We're uh, driven by the data. We have different cycles that we follow, and one of our main indicators is the momentum indicator because everything is supply and demand when it comes to the stock market in the short term. So what a wonderful place to see what people are actually buying. If people are buying something it's going up in value. If they're selling, it's going down. So this is a fantastic index to see what's being bought. And the way Momentum does it is they look over the last 6 and 12 months and they do a little bit of uh, risk adjustment for it, and then they load up their portfolio with what's been working. And they recently had a rebalance, and it was the largest rebalance in their history. It was absolutely incredible, the changes. It's like a flip-flop in where they were. For example, they were about 41% information technology, that drops to 17.8, so greater than a 50% cut. But that's nothing. They had 1.5% in financials, and that jumped to 32.4%.
0: That's pretty alarming to see. And he says, so this is pretty monumental for momentum
1: change. So what's causing it? Hey, we're reopening right now. The way we look at the market is, you know, people chase the market at the very top, and they drive prices to an exorbitant level, and then the market pops, and it goes <laughs> way down in value. And once we get to the bottom, you know, you want to be picking up the pieces that have been hurt the worst that survived. And you move to a momentum trade. Well, hey, we shut down the economy. Uh, lots of people left work. Lots of people were scared about what was going to survive and whatnot. Who's going to get on a cruise ship again? You know, there's lots of companies that were damaged. And it looks like we're opening back up. So we need to be re-entering those companies that survived. And that's the value trade. And that's what we're doing right now.
0: So I mean, let's kind of break down some of these things, the momentum. I know you talked about technology and And so we kind of tried to dissect that area of momentum. And one of the things I found alarming, because everybody's touting Amazon right now. Everybody's touting Tesla. So just to clarify, year-to-date Amazon, slightly negative, negative 1.31 for year 2021, year-to-date. So when we look at uh, what it came from, though, in 2020, it was up 76%. So things are getting a little hot. People are slowing down.
1: That's fair to say. It's more like an allocation change you go up 76% in one year, and you're down one the next, there's nothing wrong with that. Taking a little profit, and there's more money to be made somewhere else. We're not trapped in our house. We're the only place we can buy goods is through Amazon. So it's cooling off just a little bit. Great company. Nothing's wrong with the company. When we're looking at this, we're looking strictly at price.
0: I think we talked about, too, you know, Amazon hangs out in technology, but it also dips into that consumer discretionary, because you would think consumer discretionary would be positive change on a reopening type of environment but what we saw was it actually lowered from what 19 percent down to about 10 percent so that's a cut in half half again there it is cut in half and so the two big factors of consumer discretionary amazon is 25 percent of that index and tesla's 14 so tesla itself as well was about negative 15, 16% year to date, but coming off of 2020, it was up 743% in 2020. So I take
1: that all day, again, give it to me.
0: Capturing some profits, right? So it's hard to say that we're gonna change our habits completely, as I know. You can't sprint three miles in a
1: row. At some point, you have to take a breather. You know? Yes, you have to take a breather. And a lot of that, not only is it just the stock price, but it's the cycle of what's going on. You know, We are definitely in a value cycle. And if we look at our index, the things that are working, currently energy industrials materials so that means financial things are opening back up opening back up that's our economy opening up this is normal and the market's reacting to it and it's fantastic value's been so beat up for so long if we're comparing it to actual growth we should see some kind of resurgence getting back to normal this is the time to do it
0: so another one you know Thought was kind of interesting consumer staples actually went down so you know last podcast we talked a lot about those cavemen right loading up yes. on toilet paper and dry canned goods stuff like that it had a small decrease right it wasn't substantial it wasn't monumental but the thing is, is we're talking about the momentum of change right some of the data points are hard to extremely dissect the number itself but you look at the shift or the change the direction of that
1: is where we're kind of diving into the bigger picture is nobody wants to be safe at this point it doesn't matter if we're Heavy in the tech trade or heavy in Exxon, you know, it's not a safe place market wise. And staples, utilities, healthcare, normally thought of as safer places to be. And there's just no money to be made there. Not over the last six months, not over the last 12 months. Good place to get safe, but not really outperform uh, looking, looking back in the past. And to
0: your point there, 12.7% on healthcare dropped to 4.9% exposure on that momentum index. So the same thing, healthcare had a reduction as well. So it's all in line. So that kind of ties one leg of our three-legged stool, right? The reopening, you know? And so what about, we talked a lot about supply chain
1: driving this. So can we start into that yeah. and see what's going on with the supply chain? Let's look at the big picture and talk about that three-legged stool. You know, the biggest thing that's driving the market is inflation. And we're seeing it a lot of places. Everywhere we look, prices are going up. And a lot of the times, the prices are huge. So when we're talking about that three-legged stool, we're trying to figure out why. So, number one, you know, straight up, the economy's opening up. So prices should not be depressed anymore. But not being depressed does not equal lumber going up 300%. So we should be getting back to normal price-wise. So what are our other legs of the stool? One is uh, supply chains. We can't get any materials. We can't get materials. So just think about supply and demand. You know, demand's picking up and there's no supply, guess what happens to the price? We're all competing for the same exact goods, and whoever offers or bids the highest is going to get the good. Prices are going up because of supply chains.
0: We talked about that cargo ship getting lodged in the canal overseas. It seems like a long week, right? But to global supply chain, think about the limited inputs we have currently because things have been shut down, and then you stop it by 10 days. You're trying to make up 10 days' worth of productivity with about a fraction of the workforce. That's
1: right. Who's going to do that? Who's going to stay extra? Have we been able to hire a whole nother shift uh, on these supply lines? Is anybody working overtime? No. We have an unemployment problem at this point. As soon as we get better, they're taking the right steps. I think we've got, what, 27 states that have said, get your Uh, rear back to work. Well, so
0: they eliminated the additional, the federal uh, additional unemployment benefit. I think it was a 300 a week on top of normal unemployment benefit. So hopefully that'll drive people back to work. So I hear about microchips all the time. Microchips are in everything that we have, cell phones,
1: pickups, cars, toothbrushes, huge shortage of processors right now. Everything we use has a chip in it. We've seen car production actually shut down because they don't have the chips to put in them. We saw one of the largest rises in prices on used vehicles. Uh, Right now we can sell a used vehicle for more than what you paid for it if you've been it very recently. It's pretty incredible. And that is one of those things that the demand is so high, we can't keep up with supply. And think about this, what's going on in Taiwan? You know, the largest chip maker, and there's no clear picture whether that will be a free company. The political risk. The political risk is huge. It's putting a huge wedge in things. Think about the big freeze we had earlier this year. Back to car manufacturing, we saw car manufacturers shut down because they didn't have any plastics. So supply chain is a big, big story right now. And there's so many moving parts, nature and employment.
0: Well, and then, too, political risk as well, because some of the pipeline back east got hacked, right? Shut it down is. that supply chain domestically. And then there was the meat packer just the other day was offline. And so... You we're not only fighting domestic nature, if you
1: will, you know, that's the cold weather. We're also fighting a little bit of terrorism, I guess you could yeah. say. You know? It's all nature. Human nature or... There you uh, go. I like that. God's nature. Yeah, Which I guess is one in the same as well. But. Yeah, it's all nature. It's, it's, it's interesting. okay supply chain we got reopening what's the third light we're printing money like it's going out of style and we've touched on this our last podcast about the effects on that do you want to kind of give an overview well,
0: the first thing that pops into mind how we got stranded on a desert island again and so we've got a little bit more graceful now the aaron likes to talk to us about the roman times and how you know printing money just in its own self all the money there buys all the goods so He was sharing me with the story of the Roman times. I like that better than coconuts and seashells, but it was talking about silver and the Roman Empire and the massive amount of land coverage the Romans occupied and how they did business and how much that cost for the Roman soldiers and how they got paid. So tell me about the silver coins and how they basically inflated themselves into nothing. I
1: love Roman history. Rome occupied a tremendous amount of land. It, It took a lot of soldiers to keep control of that land. So the Roman government needed to come up with more money to fund all this. And this is a perfect story because this is literally and figuratively how it happens. But the emperor Rome needed more coins. And so he decided, hey, I'm gonna quit issuing 100% silver coins and I'm gonna drop it down to 90% silver. And then he needed some more. So he started issuing coins at 70% silver, then 50% silver. I mean, just so he could put more currency out there. And it dropped all the way down to 5% silver in these coins. Roman soldiers weren't willing to put their life on the line with 95 percent pay cut
0: it's kind of hard to wrap your head around but it goes back to saying that all the wealth
1: equals all the goods and services yes if you double the face value of your wealth
0: that doesn't mean you double your wealth it just means you have twice as much things that represent wealth
1: yes when i said this is perfect example. Printing money is exactly the same thing as reducing your silver coin from 100% silver down to 5%. We are truly devaluing or debasing our currency. There's other examples in history. Back to the Romans. Where are the Romans now? How big is their area? It crushed them. They're gone. gone. I mean, still there. That was the end. That was the end of the Roman Empire. But one of the ones that sticks out in my head the most, and I've thought about this from, as a little kid, I remember seeing a picture of some little girl with a wheelbarrow, a wheelbarrow full of Deutsche Marks, and she was on her way to buy a loaf of bread. And it took a wheelbarrow full of cash to do that. One loaf. And that's always stuck out in my mind. But after World War I, Germany was in trouble economically. So their way to fix that was to start printing. And they printed a tremendous amount of money. Put this an example, it used to be about eight Deutsche Marks per US dollar at the beginning of this. And by the time the currency debasement finished up, you know, it took four point two trillion marks to equal a dollar. That is some serious debasement. And we're looking at hundreds of percent a month.
0: So they were struggling. People needed more money. They didn't create wealth. They printed marks, if you will. Dollars to us, marks to them. So there was nothing to back it. So it was not even worth the paper it was written on. And now, where's that? Gone. It's with the Romans.
1: Yes. Yes, we're paying the Roman Empire with... That's
0: right. So Germany, you know, then we went to the gold
1: standard, and of course, that's a little yeah. bit more yeah. uh, global these days. Backed it by gold, and then Germany could take back off because people got confidence back in their currency. But it's a problem, and it's scary, because we just printed out 30% more U.S. dollars. We're seeing the effects of inflation. We're talking about a fourth stimulus, a fifth stimulus. I don't mean to get political, but if we go through this Green Deal, there's going to have to be more stimulus to help people concur with that. So they're forced
0: to do whatever it takes. Is that what I'm hearing you
1: say? Yes. We're doing whatever it takes to continue going down this path. And this path has been set up for a long time. I think the majority of it started after our 08 crash. And the Fed really jumped in. Treasury got to work. We've been printing money. We've got free money with interest rates. Our Fed's buying back debt just as fast as they can. So we've been beating our economy uh, with government intervention for a long time. And the actual printing of cash... That may have been the the coup de grace. You know, we're finally seeing the effects of it. It can't go on forever. We are seeing inflation for the first time in a long time.
0: So let's think about this. We're going to inflate. There's two options. Either we get running so hot, the Fed says, whoa, I need to put the brakes on. Or we can grow into it. Right? Yes. Love to grow into it. It seems like the more logical choice. We all know that good, healthy amounts of inflation are productive to economies. But is that this? Or are we gonna watch the Fed turn it back down and then what's their option? They gotta crank up interest, right? Which is
1: detrimental to growth in an economy. Yeah, that's their number one tool to fight inflation. And just look at it from two different ways. That's the tool for the Fed to fight inflation. And normally we're having inflation because we're having economic output. Great, awesome economic output not the case right now. We're having inflation because we're having great printing
0: output. Well, but all of it, right? The printing, right. the supply chain's weak, we're reopening, so it's a really weird trifecta of a time where it's not just one leg, it's really the three legs of that three-legged stool. So Is shutting off growth really going to be productive even though we're seeing a little
1: inflation? No, not at all. So when we're messing with interest rates, that is the actual cost of money. Interest rates are the cost of money. So when we increase interest rates, that increases that cost. It doesn't matter what company we're in. If we take on a project, we're not going to go through that unless we are sure that we can make more money than the cost. It doesn't matter if you're a consumer or a business or whatever. You want to make more. In the, the cost of that service. So your example to me earlier
0: was if I can take a tree and turn it into a board and that costs me $100, but Home Depot will only pay me $95, i am not going to do it.
1: You won't do it. You, you'll, you'll put the brakes on that immediately. You have to have some kind of pricing power to at least sell it to Home Depot for a profit. That's the same example as interest rates. As interest rates go up, the cost of that melon of the tree or whatever increases. So that usually puts the brakes on output. Companies are not gonna build factories if they think that the cost is gonna be greater than the reward. So if the Fed has to start fighting inflation and our economy is not going 100 miles an hour, you know, the output is not very, very positive, and that puts us in a very precarious situation where it's going to very greatly hurt our economy, more likely send us into, this is a negative outcome.
0: Well, kind of a double-dip recession, right? If we we stop it completely, we shove it all the way back, say, okay, we're going to put the brakes on, and then now we still don't have the
1: output, we don't have the resources, so what do they end up doing? Printing more money. What's the next tool? If they send us into this negative outcome, what do they do to fix it? They print more. They lower interest rates. So here's catch-22. Are we so addicted to what the Fed has been doing? Can we grow out of this or is everything in relation to the easy money? Because if it is all easy money and that's what's driving us forward, as soon as we start to put the brakes on it, we're right back and the Fed has to do the same thing it's been doing. And that's got us all questioning everything that's going on.
0: The Fed, we talk a lot about it doesn't take much for them to change. It's the whole, and, did they use and, or did they use or? And that can make such a huge impact. So what we understand right now from the Fed is they're not in a position to move interest rates until maybe late 2022 and then maybe 2023. So they're really trying to be patient with this. And a lot of the concern of, you know, we listen to money managers and economists and global asset managers, and one of their concerns is that we're going to blow through whatever mark the Fed is looking for and have this crazy inflationary environment. But you can see the makings, the underlying that would drive that are just barely developing. You know, yeah, we're just all
1: just starting. The Fed told us we don't have to worry about inflation at all. You know, and guess what happened last month? It popped up 4%. And everybody's like, oh, who do I believe? So yeah. is it real or is it transitory?
0: But the Fed's being patient. What do we always say? Can't fight the Fed. Yeah, so you got to be
1: on the same page with them. We are still very expansionary, and we have to stay invested that way right now. Because printing at this point, or interest rates, is so powerful for our economy, nobody can get in front of it. But we can kind of get a picture of where we're headed. Right. That's that
0: momentum, that shifted momentum that gave us some some idea of the things that you know have been historically a little bit beat up the cyclicals those are working those are in an expansion so it's really trying to slow things way down 2020 happened quickly you know it was quick down days and then we recovered fairly rapidly from that bottom point you know and and it is unbelievable we want to slow it down because it appears that we could if we handle this correctly grow through this go back to that good inflation levels but if anybody gets too carried away here you know, the house of cards falls, right? So that's kind of our
1: belief right now. So we are seeing huge amounts of inflation and it's a lot greater than the 4% that was just published. But what happens here? And then the true belief for me is that we're just going to have a true resetting of prices. You know, whether it's 30% higher than the beginning of 2020 or it's 100% higher, who knows? You know, but we are going to have a resetting of prices. We're going to be paying more for everything that we have and everything that we do. So what happens at that point? Does it just stop? And I think naturally it would. Whether it's a year from now or two years from now, prices just cap. And then we are right back to where we were, where technology is driving prices down.
0: Right. So it stops because I get tired of paying more and more and more and more, right? They pass all that cost on to me as a consumer. And I say it someday. I'm not going to build that debt because it's going to cost me 300 times more than it would have
1: two years ago. Right. So I'm going to stop. Right. And there's there's other market forces out there that stops inflation. The biggest one is substitution. You know, if prices get way too out of hand, someone's going to be intuitive enough to come up with a different substitute for what you're doing. And it's going to be a lot lower cost. So we're going to substitute to lower cost goods. Competition is going to come in and start undercutting prices and prices will stabilize. We're not there
0: yet. Right. So competition, so building materials, right? So what do you do? You need concrete. What's your alternative
1: to that? You know, what's the solution there? That's pretty neat. I was talking to my dad. We were talking, same exact example, uh, on my place, uh, driving into my house, had a low spot in the road, and we just had a pretty big rainstorm, and that water got well above my knee. So driving through that in a small vehicle is almost impossible. Dad was asking me what in the world I was going to do there, and I bought a trailer a while back to kind of cut up and make a bridge out of. But it's narrow, and it's made of metal, and I was scared about ice. So he was talking to me about using concrete and, you know, we'd have to frame the thing up. It'd be a massive undertaking and cost a whole lot of money. But on the flip side, he's like, why don't you use that gigantic granite rock? You know, the stuff that's about twice the size of your fist and you can make that look really nice. Build a bridge out of it, put a top on it, it would look good and it would be a whole lot cheaper. I don't have near the construction cost, the labor cost. We're basically just dumping materials out there and moving on that's a great example of substitutions hey i can get this done a different way at a different price level that i'm happy with
0: that ingenuity that comes when things get too expensive we look for alternatives whether it be you know cell phone companies how many times have people switched between dish and cable because it was cheaper you yes. so know, people get tired of paying, they look for alternatives. So, what about, from a monetary standpoint, what some alternatives to that inflation space? Right? We get into inflation, we need some alternatives. We need a place to be that's a little bit inflationary protected traditional assets, real estate, gold, you know, things of that nature. But there's some alternatives to that, too, because where I'm looking, real estate's through the roof, you know, it's tripled in price, and there are a few people still buying, but it's just not the same. So, it's like, okay. Amongst everything, we still want to be mindful. Look outside that box. It's something that it's not going to act the same as inflationary pressures.
1: Yep, yeah. things that have pricing pressures in inflation environments. Metals are a great example. Lumber, things that we're forced to buy regardless. Uh, healthcare, staples. These are wonderful places to be in inflationary environments because, regardless of what happens, I got to buy it. And metals are great because most metals are priced in U.S. dollars and If the United States has lots of inflation, then the price of our dollar goes down relative to other countries. So what's that happen to metal? If our dollar is going down, the metal is going up for us because people with non-inflated dollars in other countries are able to buy it. And it pushes the price of those materials up for us. So that's a great way to protect your dollars.
0: It's kind of a traditional hedge, is it not?
1: Traditional. Equities as a whole are normally a great hedge. They just, depending on what kind of stocks you may own it just might take a little bit longer and what we're really looking for is the pricing power to increase as the inputs increase
0: something that can be nimble that can roll with the changes in inflation so what about some other types of currencies you dipped in that sum. yeah
1: absolutely uh if, if i'm worried about us printing so much money and I, I need it out of the u.s dollar why not buy yen or euros Swiss francs, just get out of the U.S. dollar and buy something else that could possibly stabilize your purchasing power. Because if let's just say I buy a euro and two years from now, that euro is worth three to four times as much U.S. dollars. You know, I can transfer it right back, sell it. And hey, I just protected myself from the value of the dollar dropping so much. And we're working on doing that right now. And and one of the places we're taking a serious look at is emerging markets. Emerging markets used to be materials steel gold oil things that help these smaller countries that's their major output so if we can buy a country's currency that is based on hard assets and get them to pay us a coupon or whatever it may be to hold that And as our dollar drops, we just keep gathering more and more dollars, and we protect ourselves from our dropping currency.
0: So one of the things we did talk about last time is why we got out of some of our emerging markets, and to clarify that, because it was so tech-heavy. It was so volatile in that space. But look at the shift in momentum that we've just seen. So that now makes something that we didn't like more appetizing, because the underlying change. What's driving that force, that momentum, even internationally, in the area that we could be benefited from
1: yes we moved away from the exponential growth in emerging markets that is heavily dependent on low interest rates and we've moved to more of a broader range of emerging markets as a whole so we could get more of the materials more of the oil or the exact country rather than uh, a technology not to say we will stay here for for a long time but just looking to protect our U.S. dollars from that debasement, that, that from we're debasement. About yep. and we just want to buy other assets in different countries that we can transfer back after the dollar has gone down and we get some of that protection.
0: That wraps up part one of our black and white market chatter on Life Planning 101. Please join us for the next episode coming soon and we will continue our talks on the three-legged stool of inflation here on uh, black and white market chatter and Life Planning 101.
1: Advisory services offered through Smart Money Group LLC, a registered investment advisor, securities offered through Calton and Associates Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC, Kennedy Financial Services Incorporated is an independent of Calton and Associates Incorporated and Smart Money Group LLC.